Welcome to Formula One with Mike and Manch. Now on to our 25th episode, I'll be talking about the Austin Grand Prix, the results, some positive and negatives, explaining why Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc were disqualified, and why teams want to go up in the Constructors' Championship. So, first of all, just wanted to say, it's just going to be Mike here on the podcast. Manch, unfortunately... He's going into surgery tomorrow, so he had to go to bed at the right time. And just wanted to say, hope you're feeling better, Manch. By the time this podcast comes out, you'll be out of surgery. Um, If you know Manch personally, reach out to him. Make sure he's feeling good. Um, We're thinking about you, Manch. Hope you're feeling better. But let's talk about this Austin Grand Prix. This was quite the race. If you're watching from the beginning, you saw Lando Norris just absolutely have a brilliant getaway at turn one at the start of the race, passing Charles Leclerc. And for the first 26 laps, you're probably thinking, is Lando going to get his first ever race win? I mean, me and Manch were sending each other motivational uh, little pep talks throughout this first half of the race, and... I mean, we were even drinking each other's favorite beer. I was drinking a Modelo. He was drinking a Miller Lite. I mean, how could Landon Norris not win when we're doing that? Unfortunately, it is 2023. Verstappen ended up catching up to him. Now, let's go down the results. First place, we have Verstappen. Second place was Hamilton. He got disqualified. So then Lando Norris moves up in the second place. Third place, Carlos Sainz. Fourth place... Sergio Perez, and then fifth place, Russell, George Russell, sixth place, Pierre Gasly, seventh place, Lance Stroll, eighth place, Yuki Tsunoda, ninth place, Alex Albon, one of Manchester's favorite drivers, and then Mr. USA himself, Logan Sargent, got his first Formula One championship point. Now let's talk about it. Originally, the Williams guys weren't going to be in the points, but luckily for them, some drivers got disqualified and they were able to get pushed up into those points. Now, something that's really standing out for me is Yuki Tsunoda went from 10th place all the way up to 8th place. So at 10th, you get a single point and 8th place, you get four points. If you weren't watching the race, Yuki Tsunoda, the last lap, he was in kind of a no-man's land, so he was able to pit, put on soft tires, which weren't really used in this race because of the tire degradation. Uh, This track, it's very hot, so the tires are going to wear away very, very quickly. But they are very grippy. So that one lap that he did, he was actually able to secure a fastest lap. And if you're watching the race, you saw that Ricardo got the fastest lap. Uh, I'd probably say two laps earlier. But if you get the fastest lap outside of the points, you don't get that point. It's only for the people in the top 10. So Yuki was able to, his uh, engineers were able to see that strategy and were able to get him that fastest lap. So they, so AlphaTauri actually got five points this race. Pretty crazy considering they had five points all year. And another person I want to talk about, Sergio Perez. Me and Manch, personally, 
I've kind of been not talking down on Sergio Perez, but definitely holding him to this great standard that is Sergio Perez. And he was able to get fourth place and, you know, pretty impressive race, was able to get through the midfield, you know, not as impressive as Verstappen, but there's obviously a sizable gap between the two drivers. Something else that I wanted to bring up was this is kind of the race where Verstappen could have been had. I mean, if if uh, Red Bull doesn't pull that pit stop in lap 16 before Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc, and Lewis Hamilton pit, who, who really knows what could have happened? But this is why Red Bull is the best. They have these strategies that no one else can even think of. And we saw McLaren right away react to that, pitting uh, Lando immediately after Verstappen. Hamilton, Leclerc stayed out. They're thinking, can we do a one-stop race? It's just not possible anymore in this world of F1. I mean, we hardly, rarely ever see a one-stop race, and it's because these Pirelli tires just don't hold up throughout a whole race weekend. Like, these tires are just deteriorating at a rate that a lot of F1 fans haven't seen before. And I honestly think that the one-stop race strategy is practically going to be eliminated here soon. It's We saw Hamilton drop back really far from this one-stop strategy, and they ended up going with a two-stop. I mean, a three-stop, I'm sorry. But it just, like, Hamilton had to catch up so much time, and this was his best chance of getting a win and he wasn't able to get it and Mercedes has been pretty iffy with their strategy lately and it's just something to watch because normally they've been the team with the best strategy but lately it's been pretty pretty iffy and it's just something to watch and another person that did a one-stop was Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc was on pole position and he ended up finishing in six, which if you're looking at it one to six, that's a horrible race weekend. That's horrible. If you're in pole position, you should be on the podium. No doubt about it. And he dropped all the way to sixth. I mean, if this race was another two laps or so, he could have kept dropping. I mean, it was bad, really bad. And I just don't know what else to say about it but let's get into the positives and negatives of this race positive like I said earlier Lando Norris had a great getaway at the start of the race on turn one was just able to maneuver that McLaren ahead into the turn and get right in front of Charles Leclerc and actually lead the race for quite a while I believe it was 26 laps but the second place for Norris was able to move him ahead of Charles Leclerc in the driver's standing. And it actually wedges him in between the two Ferrari drivers. So Lando Norris is now in sixth place with 159 points. Charles Leclerc is in seventh place with 151 points. Carlos Sainz is just 12 points ahead of Lando in fifth place with 171 now, this is going to be very interesting, especially if you're a Carlando fan. 
I mean, this is going to come down to the very last race. All three of these guys are going to be fighting for that money in the driver's standings. Now, let's get into a negative. Aston Martin, I mean, everyone's going to say Lance Stroll got seventh place. He actually finished ninth if you take away the DQs. It was just a bad weekend for Aston Martin all weekends. Uh, they they pretty much put the car in the wrong direction. It set them back, hence why they had to make some changes for that start of the race, and they started from the pit lane. Now, we saw their speed for the sprint race. Horrible. That's all I can really say about it. It was just horrible. In qualifying, uh, Alonso didn't make... Q3 for the first race all season and just really, really awkward if you're an Aston Martin fan. I mean, yeah, they haven't been always getting points, but you at least have fun watching them qualify. And you saw Alonzo and Stroll both get out. So that gave you something to worry about come Sunday. And then, you know, of course, you get your hopes up. Alonzo's moving through the midfield. He's passing cars left and right, doing Alonzo things. Then he ends up having car failure and has to retire from the race. Another positive that I want to talk about, though, is Williams. Now, Alex Albon has been the talk of 2023 for Williams. And aside from me and Manch kind of breaking down the drivers, Logan Sargent a little bit there, we haven't really talked about him. And this is... A, a double points finish for Williams the first time since 2021 Budapest when they had Goat Tifi, Nicholas Latifi and George Russell so quite quite a change up in their lineup of drivers but I'm I'm really happy for Williams it's a team that out of the bottom teams I love seeing in the points Alex Albon if you know his story you're a huge fan of him Logan Sargent He's my USA guy. I mean, what can I say? I wouldn't have picked him to be my USA guy, but beggars can't be choosers, and I love him as an American driving. Haven't seen an American get in the points in a very, very long time, and it feels good to get those points on American soil. I'm sure that everyone in Williams is very proud of him, and just awesome weekend from Williams, and really cool to see. Our, my last positive is actually going to be Yuki Sonoda. So, Manch loves Yuki. Me, not so much. I kind of felt like we knew what we knew about Yuki, and nothing can really change my opinion. Well, here comes an eighth-place finish, stealing the fastest lap. I think this is something he can build off of and kind of go out on this year on a high, get some more points, really beat out Danny Rick, and then, you know, really be considered for that Red Bull spot when it comes available for him, if it ever does. Sergio Perez could turn it around. Do I see that happening? Nope. Let's go to some negatives. And so before I did this podcast, you know, I wanted to get Manch's input. I texted him, actually. I said, hey, Manch, do you want me? Do you want to send me any notes slash takeaways from this race that you want me to say on the podcast? 
knowing man, it took him uh, two and a half hours to respond, but I did get a very good response. He said, yeah, I can do that. I'm predicting him to, you know, take a couple minutes, send a paragraph. Manch just goes, one simple line. Is Ocon a piece of shit? Dot, dot, dot. Yes. <laughs> gotta love, gotta love the, the Manch commentary on that one. And I did also have this on one of my negatives. Ocon just doesn't use his mirrors. I don't know if he doesn't know they're there or just doesn't ever use them. But it's a 60 and F of the season after making contact with Oscar Piastri. When I was watching this race, I saw Oscar fall a little bit. And, you know, with his pace the past couple of races, I was like, what in God's name is happening? But then Martin Brundle, Ted Crofty, they show the, I don't know, highlight if you call it, of Ocon just going into his side pod, hitting him, making some contact. It's obviously why Oscar falls out. Couple laps later, he has the DNF. Why? Just because someone crashed into him. Did, does that person get a penalty or anything? Nope. Why would he? You know, Ocon. I it just it, the the dude drives me crazy. I I could never root for him. He's just a giraffe in a car. And six DNFs. Like next podcast, I'll have this ready for you. The most DNFs that Nicholas Latifi has had. But Ocon, I mean, I could do a whole podcast on him. He's in, he's in, he's on our shit list right now for the Mike and Manch pod after crashing into Piastri. Luckily, he did not finish the race. So a couple laps later, he had gone, I think, from like 8th to 20th within a lap. And that's what you get for not using your mirrors. It's... It's just how have you been racing this long and you still do the stuff? Why he's employed? Who knows? But let's get to why Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc were ultimately disqualified. Now, a lot of you have probably read it. It's a technical infringement. And you're like, when when does this ever happen? Actually, the last time it happened was the Italian GP in 2018. Roman Grosjean was the result of that disqualification. And we've seen in the past people get disqualified for not having enough fuel in their car. So they get disqualified. And that's kind of just, you know, calculation problem that, you know, the driver presses on the gas too much. He doesn't coast as much, you know. That's kind of something that's on the driver and the mechanics, but this is actually, I could really get into the nerd terms of it, but I'm going to pretty much say it's a plank on the floor of the car. So if you flip the car over, it has its floor, right? There's a plank going down the middle of this floorboard that it's not going to make sense to most people, but this plank was just a couple millimeters off and you're probably wondering how does this happen? It's because the plank had gotten worn down in that case for Lewis and Leclerc. And you're thinking, how does this plank get worn down? These guys have are in F1 cars with the best engineers on the planet. 
Well, this track is pretty bumpy, and Verstappen had said that it actually needs to be smoothed out or repaved next time they race because it's just ridiculous how bumpy this track is. And then on top of that, you add a sprint race where you get an extra 17 laps of race pace on it, and it's if you're bumping up and down, it's going to wear away pretty quickly. Now, it doesn't make sense why their teammates didn't get it, or anyone else didn't get it. But for the case of Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc, they ultimately ending up getting screwed in this uh, matter. And, you know, there's not really anything they can do. They can't really fight it. You know, the I know a Mercedes um, consultant said, you know, the rule is very black and white, and we would just happen to be on the wrong side of it. And... You're probably thinking, why did they have a plank on the floor of this car? It all started in 1994 when Art and Senna crashed and ultimately ended up dying. They ended up, this ended up being a um, strategy where they had to implement just to make the cars more safer because when they, these guys were going super fast, the tires were wearing down, it caused the car to maybe drift a little bit. And, you know, it's just something, a hazard that's dangerous that we can't have in racing. And so if this race was a couple more laps, we, we could have seen Lewis or Leclerc go off the track and, you know, that would have really looked bad on F1. And of course they don't want crashes. So that's why this rule is in place. Now let's talk about the constructors standings and why does it matter? Well, the person on top, which would be Red Bull, they get the most money out of this. So there's something called prize money in Formula One. Now, the person that finishes at the top of the standing gets the most prize money. And you're probably thinking, how much is that? Well, I looked it up for a while. There's no really... There's no real way of figuring this out because it's it's pretty secret. They don't want to let the public know how much they're giving away to these teams, which kind of makes sense. You know, in the year 2020, you know, three years ago, we were able to find out how much Mercedes got for their first place finish, and they got $135 million for finishing first in the Constructors' Championship. So you can kind of guesstimate how much these teams are getting so red bull has locked down the constructors championship so they're going to be getting 14 percent of that prize money now last place gets six percent of the prize money so when we're looking at teams like alfa romeo haas alfa tori these smaller teams that don't really have a lot of money to put into their car they're not like these big juggernauts that just make money like red bull mercedes mclaren uh ferrari um aston martin normally hasn't been but this year the way they're marketing that uh the car that they have that's actually a safety car they've been making millions hundreds of millions of dollars so it just kind of shows the marketing side of things will bring you in money and then your race team can bring you in money. So last place gets 6% and like 8%, 7%, 6%. You're saying, what's, what's the difference? Well, these teams that have just around 
200 million, 150, 150 million to spend on their cars, an extra 60 million compared to 50 million is it's like that $10 million difference is going to make a huge difference in their car. And now you're saying if you're at the bottom all the time, how can you even make it up? How can you go up in the standings when you're getting, when you have that little funding and you get that little of prize money? Well, there's something called wind tunnel time, which you put your car in this wind tunnel time and it kind of demonstrates race pace for the car. And this is what all the engineers and mechanics use to build the car. Well, this is where it gets really interesting. Red Bull, since they came in first place, will actually get the least amount of time in the wind tunnel. So all the teams that do worse than Red Bull this year will get more wind tunnel time. So they don't really have a benefit in the strategic side of building a car. Now, Aston Martin last year came in seventh place. They got 100% of the time of the wind tunnel. Williams, which I believe was either last or second to last, gets 115% of the time. And Red Bull got 70 for first place, but due to their penalty, it's 63%. And you're saying, what is this percent off of? It's off of 200 hours of wind tunnel time. Now, it's just all very tricky. And, you know, if you're not a diehard F1 fan, you might not even care. But this can be make or break for your team in winning a race, getting a podium, and making improvements on last year. Like I said, Aston Martin, 100% of their wind tunnel time. That is without a doubt, I mean, without question, a huge reason why they were able to have that giant jump in the standings at the beginning of the year. You know, other teams, Williams, that 115% is definitely going to help them build that car. And you'll also be able to see which teams, you know, take advantage of that wind tunnel time. And some teams, uh, cough, cough, Haas, just will remain on the bottom and just struggle their way through Formula One and never really improve, never really get better drivers. So that's kind of their own problem. At least I'm a fan of McLaren that's on the rise right now. So that makes me happy. Now, we didn't have Manch to decipher all the Mike lingo the past 10 minutes. So if you didn't understand much of what I said, that's that's fine. I probably don't even understand what I just said, but hey, whatever. This is this is my podcast without Manch right now. We do what we do. Now, that's all I really got for today. I'll be dropping another podcast most likely by myself. I might have a guest on it right before the Mexico Grand Prix. So make sure to tune into that. Uh, if you're not following us on X slash Twitter or Instagram, it's Mike and Manch. It's F1 Mike and Manch, actually. I don't know. But just make sure you follow us. And thanks for listening, guys. Peace.